I'm Greg Oliar. Four years ago, I stopped writing novels to report on the crimes of Donald Trump and his associates. In 2018, I wrote a best-selling book about it, Dirty Rubles. In 2019, I launched Prevail, a bi-weekly column about Trump and Putin, spies and mobsters, and so many traitors! Trump may be gone, but the damage he wrought will take years to fully understand. Join me and a revolving crew of contributors and guests as we try to make sense of it all. This is Prevail. Thanks for listening to Muller She Wrote. The she in Muller She Wrote is no accident. Did you know we are 100% women-owned and operated? Every single person that helps make this podcast possible identifies as a woman. Our creative and web design, our engineer and producers, our editors and digital media manager, our agent, our ad execs, our merchandising manager, and even the postal service clerk that helps me with shipping in our P.O. box. All women and all LGBTQ plus allies. We will continue to employ and partner with women as our podcast grows, but we could use your help. Please support women in podcasting by visiting MullerSheWrote.com and become a patron today. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did have, not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, welcome to Muller She Wrote. This is our book club. We're, yeah. we're, we're reviewing Russian Roulette. This week we're doing chapters 13 through 16. Mm-hmm. And I'm A.G., your anonymous host, crushing the Hatch Act. <laughs> With me, as always, is Jaleesa Johnson. Hey, guys. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. All right, let's get into it. Chapter mm-hmm. 13 is called, Next, They're Going to Put Polonium in My Tea. Who's mm-hmm. covering this chapter? This is me. This All is, right. yes, Jaleesa. Hit it. All right. So Assange tweeted on July 22nd, the Friday before the DNC in Philly, quote, we begin our series today with 20,000 emails from the top of the DNC. So the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC have been waiting for this for weeks. And if the primary purpose of Russian information warfare, as outlined in the GRU 2013 doctrine, was to sow confusion and exploit divisions within Western democracies, then this document dump worked perfectly. So just as it was supposed to, this dump of emails from the top of the DNC favoring Hillary infuriated Bernie supporters. In a Wasserman Schultz email, she called Sanders campaign manager Jeff Weaver a, quote, damn liar. And in another email, she said, he's an ass. Which, you know, I mean, it it looks bad out of context, but we've all said those things. So Brad Marshall. Yeah, sometimes I wonder about these emails, like, like, everyone's like, oh, my God. But I'm like, um. It's pretty human. If you're running a campaign and you're trying to somehow disparage your opponent. Oh, it makes sense to call someone an ass, right? Like I call my girlfriend an ass all the time and I love her. So (laughs) Brad Marshall was uh, in an especially an embarrassing email chain proposing a line of attack on Bernie Sanders religious beliefs saying, quote, 
can we get someone to ask his belief? Does he believe in a God? He had skated on saying he has a Jewish heritage. I think I read he's an atheist. <laughs> My Southern Baptist peeps would draw a big difference between a Jew and an atheist, unquote. Jesus. Yeah, and Daisy replied, amen. Oh, God. The only thing I find offending, offensive about this email, personally, mm-hmm. is that you think atheists are somehow not fit yeah, exactly. to be an That's office. That's offensive person. Also, just saying a Jew is pretty generally good known point. to not be a good one. Yeah, that whole thing. Who was it? I think it was Louis C.K. Yeah, yeah, he's like, just put a little stank on it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a Jew. You yeah, know, yeah. And you can immediately make it sound yeah, terrible. Exactly. exactly. It but, definitely didn't sound but he, good. The Jewish heritage part. It's true. Didn't sound stanky. He no. skated on saying he has Jewish heritage. That's mm-hmm. fine. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think he's an atheist. That's dun, the dun, weird dun. part there. Yeah. And my Southern Baptist peeps. peeps. Yeah. Racially problematic. <laughs> I don't know if we need Southern like Baptist that. peeps. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Weird yeah. stuff. Um, so, yeah. But campaign Amen. strategy. That's That response. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> That's too religious for me. And exactly. I don't, I don't know if I like your establishmentarianism. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's very uh, weird. Anyway. I know. So Mark Pottenbach or Postenbach, what an interesting last name. He suggested a narrative saying, quote, wondering if there is a good Bernie narrative for a story that Bernie never, ever had his act together, that his campaign was a mess, unquote. I would do this, too. If I were if I were running, first of all, Bernie Sanders is great. But if I were running against Bernie Sanders, his hair, his Mm -hmm. suits, you got to go for what you can. He just looks like a mess. Yeah. A lovely, lovely, crazy grandpa mess of a man. (laughs) Yeah. And this is with love. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, well, not when you, you're using it. Well, exactly. Him. Here's the thing. You're trying to find things to attack Bernie Sanders for. It's going to be his religion. It's going to be his looks. It's going to be. It's, right. It can't be his policy. His ideology is on point. Well, because most of the uh, Democratic Party agrees with it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that's what pushed Hillary to the left, which she did accept. I love mm-hmm. it. Legitimately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, Bernie's got some great ideas. But you're right. He looks very undone. <laughs> So by the time he's that pretty, he's pretty unkempt, yeah. if you will. He looks I like he got him. a suit at Savers and was yeah. like, this is good enough. It's like shiny. I don't need anything more. It's like sort of shiny, you know? Definitely. Like, like if he ever if he ever wears like a not shiny suit, I'll be like, did you run out of suit polish? Right? Yeah. That is so true. Oh, my God. Also, nothing wrong with Savers. Not at all. Oh, my God. Yes. I love how we have to be like, everyone, I know. I'm scared. Like, I don't want people to get mad at us. Right. We got to make it clear. That's why people, and I never thought about this before, but why people on TV are like, don't send me any emails, okay? I'm just going to, I promise. Right, I'm yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get it now. You're totally yeah. right. We do have a certain protection when we're on stage as comics. We don't have to preemptively apologize oh, and exactly. explain yeah, If you heckle us on, as a comics, you could kick the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> Here. You're at a comedy club, you fucking ass. Yeah. Yeah, very good point. So by the time the Sanders delegates got to Philadelphia, they were pissed. So Trump fueled this this fire by saying, quote, leaked emails of DNC show plans to destroy Bernie Sanders, mocked his heritage and much more. And I have to say, this is the one part that probably the only thing he's ever said that I agreed with. Exactly. He was smart to play this. Um, He also went on. convenient for him. Mm -hmm. He went on to say, quote, the WikiLeaks emails released today were so bad to Sanders that it will make it impossible for him to support her unless he is a fraud. So, I mean, like you said, he's got a good point about this angle. And it actually sounds a lot like that line was planned and intended to split the Democratic Party, right? Like it was as if he Trump knew he was going to use that line. Yeah, right. Like, oh, it's impossible for him to support Hillary unless he's a fraud. Mm -hmm. And that just 
drives that wedge into the party. Yeah, it was you a know, good chess yeah. move, but it sounded well, premeditated. Every, every little thing that he could do to make it harder for Bernie supporters to come on board with Hillary he Clinton. He did it. He did it. Absolutely. And and that's actually uh, when you're when you run on division mm-hmm. and not on unity, that's the way to go. That's the way to go. You're right. So Hillary told Mook, the campaign manager, that she was convinced this was all payback against her and said, quote, next they're going to put polonium in my tea. So this was a reference to the 2006 assassination of Litvinenko. Well, how do you pronounce that? Litvinenko? Litvinenko. Litvinenko. Yeah. So uh, your dun 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 moment there. Um, you know, <laughs> name of the chapter there. Hillary was concerned that, I mean, whether she was joking or not, who knows? I just feel like it's a, always a very real possibility when you're a target of Putin's. She had to have some fear there that she was, you know, probably on his hit list. Luckily, she wasn't. So at least not murderous hit list. And the communications chief of the DNC, Luis Miranda, was enraged the most because he was the main target. More than half of the leaked emails were his. So here's the kicker. The anti-Bernie emails were from May 2016 when the hack was first discovered in April. So it's a whole month after that. And the hackers weren't even booted from the servers until June. So for three months, they were just chilling and hacking and (laughs) collecting data. And Miranda wondered why it took CrowdStrike six weeks to turn off the network. So the DNC believed CrowdStrike acted as quickly as it could have and that the DNC had no choice but to keep the hack a secret. But because of this lack of public urgency, the most damaging information from the whole leak was stolen after the DNC knew they were hacked. It's like someone gives you the heads up like, hey, someone might be robbing you tomorrow and then you just like don't do anything about it and then you get robbed the next day. It's like, come on, how much responsibility you know, it was on the DNC, I, I think quite a bit in this case. But the Hillary campaign was trying to figure out how to respond to all of this. And and some of them wanted to be bold and say it was a Russian hit job, just come right out with it. And that WikiLeaks and Russia were working together in a plot to elect Trump. But others thought they would sound insane, which they're right, and wanted to make uh, or take a more gentle approach and stop short of saying that they were out to help Trump. So Mook went on to the State of the Union with Jake Tapper and did a former or did the former. He basically told the world that the Russians were hacking them to help Trump. He just went out with it. Mook's a campaign manager. Exactly. Yeah. And Tapper pressed him for evidence and said, quote, this is a very strong charge you're leveling, suggesting the Russians hacked into the DNC and are releasing the files through the WikiLinks to help elect Donald Trump. Tapper also asked Donald Trump Jr. to respond, and he went into MOOC. So he said, quote, oh, it just goes to show you their exact moral compass. I mean, they will say anything to be able to win this. I mean, this is a time and time again, lie after lie. There's nothing wrong with a fair fight, Jake. I don't mind a fair fight, but these lies and the perpetuating of that kind of nonsense to try to gain some political capital is just outrageous, and he should be ashamed of himself. Mm-hmm. What a good, I mean, that, their argument sounds. He had just met with Russians. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's crazy this is and manafort used a similar line on another show so by then manafort kushner and donald trump jr had just met with the russian lawyer like you were saying ag hoping for dirt on hillary and papadopoulos already emailed manafort about a trump putin meeting so a lot of this shit was already going down and the sanders people the whole time were just being screwed they were still pissed and mook wanted wasserman shoots or schultz to resign but she refused to leave it wasn't until obama pushed her to leave that she complied 
And it didn't do anything, though, to unite the party. It still didn't prepare them. Yeah, she was like, I'm not listening to you, Mook. I want to talk to Obama. And Obama was like, he's like, you got to go. You should go. (laughs) She listened to Obama. We all would, of course. So Bernie spoke at the convention and his delegates booed Hillary's name and uh, started anti-Clinton chants, which I'm sure Russia loved. Mm -hmm. And Sanders gave a a forceful speech still. And he moved to hand Clinton the nomination by acclamation. So he was on board. But uh, meanwhile, Palmieri and Jake Sullivan... They hopped into their golf carts and went around to all the reporters' tents, pretty much talking up the fact that the Russians hacked Hillary, Trump has passed links to Russia, the GOP had a platform shift, Manafort has ties to Ukraine. They were trying to make it clear that all of this was a big matter of national security, but Sullivan said everyone looked at them like they were wearing tinfoil hats, which makes total sense. And most of the press and Sanders supporters were focused on the content of the stolen material as opposed to who stole it or why. That's like what you were talking about in the main episode. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, you cheated on me. Yeah, well, you shouldn't look through my phone. Exactly. It's actually pretty genius. So (laughs) Sanders supporters felt like talking about Russian hacking the election was just the DNC not taking responsibility for their own shitty email. So they just assumed they were deflecting. And and like I said, this is pretty brilliant for the Russian hackers because, yeah, the DNC did say some crappy things in those emails, but their opponent is going to see them blaming Russia as an excuse. They're just going to see Trump, you know, just like Trump says Russia's the investigation is a hoax dreamed up by the Dems who were just pissed off they lost it's the same narrative it's pretty much like the DMC is fractured the whole Democratic Party is split and, and probably beyond repair at this point so it sucks because all of this Obama and the White House they, they weren't even willing to publicly back up Hillary so they didn't want to get it ahead of the intelligence community and all of this and like you said before AG they, they didn't want to make it seem like Obama was trying to tip the scales you know especially since he was campaigning for him that was his number one fear mm-hmm. was that he didn't want to make it seem like he was interfering in elections meanwhile Russia and Trump are fucking interfering in our elections yeah I mean they were they had a huge like leeway here because Obama was being so easy on them and a senior White House official later said that they were afraid that they quote be accused of doctoring the intel and politicizing it to affect an election Election, which like you were saying it, it makes sense but man did it screw us a lot so obama's unwillingness to just come out with it frustrated the clinton campaign and democrats on the hill and because if russians were targeting their candidates they believe the public had a right to know and this huge splinter in the party didn't help their message at all like the fact that the clinton aides were driving around on golf carts saying russia hacked us to help trump win but the president wasn't saying anything similar it just made them look crazy the whole party just looked like weak tea you know like no one cared they thought we were crazy and on the third day of the convention schiff and feinstein sent a letter to obama noting that if moscow had engineered the wiki dump then quote the episode would represent an unprecedented attempt to meddle in american domestic politics one that would demand a response by the u.s boom right but still obama and the white house did nothing so clinton was obviously pissed and it was about this time that the fbi was receiving the message from australia about papadopoulos drunkenly bragging about having hillary's emails so the fbi at this time already had the dossier they had pages trips to moscow in july they had the hack of the dnc and the subsequent release of guccifer 2.0's WikiLeaks documents they were all tied to russia and they had manafort's information on the pro-russian payments for his work in ukraine they had everything they had the dutch intel the British intel about Russian hacking. I mean, this is what we talk about when when Mueller decides what collusion is politically. There's so many dots here, and Papadop was the last straw before Comey 
opened up the investigation into Trump-Russia ties. Meanwhile, the rest of the IC was pretty slow to come around. So Clapper, the director of National Intel, said, quote, no one should be hyperventilating. (laughs) He said, pretty much indicating that the hacks were very commonplace. And Russia clung on to that. They actually published an article called U.S. Intel Head Calls for End to Hyperventilation Over Russia's Alleged Role in the D.C. Hack. So we just gave them a headline, basically, just helping their narrative. Of course, Trump denied the whole thing. He mocked the DNC in various tweets. However, on July 27th, he made what is probably his most remarkable statements on his campaign. He said, quote, nobody knows who it is. But if it had been the Russians, (laughs) he had a message for them. So Trump said, I will tell you this, Russia. If you're listening, I hope you're (laughs) able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you'll probably be rewarded mightily by our press. Mm. So this was an unbelievably clear and unmistakably uh, unmistakable message from Trump to the Kremlin. Trump had just invited a foreign adversary to hack his political rival. Yep. And that's chapter 13. That's a lot. It is. That was a big chapter. That was a that was a beefy chapter. Oh yeah. Um, anyway, thank you so much. Of course. All right, you guys. Chapter fourteen. We've been told to stand down. Jordan, are you doing this one? I'm sixteen. You're sixteen. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do fourteen then. Mm-hmm. All right. So we start this out in February of 2015. A Russian FSB guy named Bortnikov uh, came to the U.S. uninvited, by the way, which Mm. pissed off the world because this was an EU-sanctioned dude, and he was responsible for some of the uh, decision-making as far as invading the Ukraine. Right. So for some reason, CIA Director Brennan invited him into his office, and Brennan would say uh, it was a, quote, keep your enemies closer (laughs) thing. Yeah. Brutnikov won the exchange simply by being invited to sit in his fucking office. No deals were cut. Um, a year later, Brennan was on the phone with Brutnikov. After uh, the normal talks on Syria, which went nowhere, Right. Brennan asked about the harassment of U.S. diplomats in Russia. Uh, remember two months earlier is when that guy was attacked in broad daylight outside mm-hmm. the U.S. Embassy? Exactly. Um, that's the incident that exposed the division in the Obama administration about how to deal with Russia. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. some of them were hardliners. Some of them were like, fuck that. <laughs> exactly. And others were like, be quiet, be careful. <laughs> well, then he, he brought up the election. Um, he said if Russia continued, there'd be a price to pay. But he didn't specify the price, really. It was like a dollar fifty or whatever. Baritnikov mm-hmm. uh, denied Russia's involvement like they do uh, and this was the first of several warnings uh, right about the russian interference that was the first one brennan knew the attack on the election was wide-ranging right several eu intel services had reported to the cia that russian operatives were reaching out to the people in trump's circle yeah uh, he wondered if the kremlin had the cooperation of anyone in the trump camp uh, brennan dispatched comey and rogers um experts to form a working group so so basically he said hey comey hey rogers mike rogers and Mm -hmm. and james comey put together a working group at langley air force base to review the intel and determine the scope of the operation that was in august of 2016 right Uh, he was concerned because 9-11 happened largely due to the intelligence community's poor interagency communication so he wanted to get everybody in the same room together exactly while brendan was working Obama had uh, a series of meetings to devise a response. 
The most sensitive information was only available to John Kerry, uh, Tony Blinken, that's the uh, Deputy Secretary of State, Mm -hmm. uh, Dan Smith, head of the Intel Bureau, and John Finer, Kerry's chief of staff. Right. No plus ones. (laughs) (laughs) These are the only guys that can come. Yeah. Um, Rice would chair the principals meeting. Susan Rice, which included Clapper, Brennan, Comey, Kerry, Ash. Ash was the sec def, um, Secretary of Defense. Um, the Secretary of Department of Homeland Security, Jen Johnson. Mm-hmm. And the Secretary of the Treasury, Jack Lew. Attorney General Lynch and General Joseph Dunsford. He was the chair of the Joint Chiefs. Okay. Those are big fucking people. Oh, yeah. Uh, the shit in these meetings was not put into the PDB, the President's Daily Briefing. They Hmm. didn't put it into the PDB because it was too sensitive. Too many people (laughs) saw the PDB. Wow. You know, um, OPSEC was incredibly tight. Uh, That's operational security for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know what OPSEC is. (laughs) Uh, What they knew. Here's what they knew. Russian state-sponsored hackers were behind the cyber attacks and the release of the swiped material. And they knew who the cutouts were. Mm Mm-hmm. Cutouts are like the go-betweens. Exactly. What was unclear uh, to them is how far and wide within the Kremlin this effort ran. Was this a few rogue outfits or was it directed from the top, from Putin, as part of a large project? Uh, And Moscow's primary aim. Was it to sow discord and chaos? Was it to delegitimize the election? Was it to weaken Western governments? Was it because Putin despised Hillary Clinton? He blamed her for the post-election riots in 2011. Exactly. In in Russia. Mm -hmm. Was it to help Trump? Uh, Did they think they could affect the results? All of these motives. uh, Is all of the above an answer? It has to be. (laughs) Well, that's what this last uh, bullet is. All of these motives were not mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. It's not pick the best answer it's pick all the answers that apply absolutely so all of these motives were just i mean that's there's so many and there's probably some that we don't even know about right but most troubling was uh, the intel reported to the white house during these deliberations uh russian linked hackers were probing the computers of state election systems particularly voter registration databases hmm. illinois reported in june that hackers accessed data uh, on up to 200,000 voters. Arizona reported county election officials' credentials were stolen and they had shut down voter registration for a week. Okay. Uh, Florida uh, then reported some malfeasance. Some believe the Russians were deliberately plotting digital manipulations to alter results. Michael Daniel believed the Russians' ability to mess with our vote count and swing an election was near impossible. <laughs> he said, we have 3,000 jurisdictions. You have to pick the county where the race was going to be tight uh, and manipulate the results. The level of precision was not feasible. That's what he said. <laughs> okay. Enter Cambridge Analytica. Yeah. Hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he was worried about other kinds of issues, such as deleting every 10th name on voter rolls or yeah. flipping two digits in voter IDs numbers to mm-hmm. make them illegitimate. Uh, either way, the potential for disorder was immense. <laughs> like yeah. everyone's like, <laughs> uh, weeks earlier, Trump started saying um, if he lost, it would only be because the election was rigged. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was fed that line. <laughs> Obama instructed Johnson to shore up the defenses of state election systems. 
Um, first, he ran he he ran into a lot of resistance. Um, Johnson did, especially from red states. Mm-hmm. They didn't want the federal government to take over our voting. <laughs> well, you know, which I understand. Yeah. You know, a lot of those red states don't have a lot of faith in the government. That's fair. Uh, he tried to explain that he could help them reduce vulnerabilities and encourage basic cybersecurity, but there was just a lot of Big Brother skepticism. Right. Uh, this was a warning for the White House. They would need GOP leaders to vouch for the federal government mm-hmm. in, in this cause, right? Uh, Brennan announced uh, at the first principles meeting that Putin had ordered or was overseeing the cyber ops targeting the elections. The IC now viewed it, uh, the intelligence community, mm-hmm. sorry, now viewed it as a full-scale active measure from Russia. Right. Um, the principals were surprised, really? <laughs> Like, that blows my mind. Like, what? That's new for you? Yeah. Maybe I should have your job. Seriously. Uh, The Kremlin's secret source warned about this two years earlier, Mm -hmm. first of all. Uh, The Garamasov Doctrine spelled it out in 2013. Julissa, you talked about that. Right. There was an Intel report in May uh, noting that a GRU officer had bragged of a payback operation that would be Putin's revenge on Hillary. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is new to you? (laughs) Uh, The White House was unsure how to respond. Um, A high-profile U.S. government reaction could amplify the psychological effects um, of of this, which is what Moscow wants. Exactly. Uh, It could create chaos. Um, It could help Trump and hurt Clinton. Mm -hmm. Uh, How could they respond without appearing partisan? That's a a tough and vocal reaction uh, might be seen as a White House attempt to assist Clinton. Right. And further compromise the ability of... Um, Department of Home- Department of Homeland Security to work with state and local officials. That would make it harder uh, if if you think the federal government's working with Hillary, and then you try to go to red states and say, "Hey, check out what we have to say." Exactly. They'll be like, "Extra fuck you." Mm-hmm. Uh, was Obama too worried about being perceived as prejudicial? Um, quote yeah. quote Perhaps there was some overcompensation. Sure. <laughs> yeah, a top Obama aide would later say, "When you're the first black president, it's a lot of pressure." <laughs> Uh, Obama had a tough job. He really did. Uh, mm-hmm. He had to inform the public about Russian attacks without triggering widespread unease about the election. Yeah. He had to be proactive without coming across as partisan and bolstering Trump's claim the election was a sham. Remember, everyone figured Hillary would win. Exactly. Uh, he had to prevent uh, putting f- uh, forth further um, the cyber aggression without prompting uh, Putin to do more. Right. So yeah. he had to ugh, like. <laughs> That, that's a lot of pressure. It is. Michael Daniel um, and Victoria Newland and Celeste Wallander, uh, three of the NSC's top Russia analysts, mm-hmm. prepared a list of shit they could do to hit Russia back. <laughs> they knew the only way to deal with Russia was to hit back hard, right? Hit them until you can see bone. Yeah. If they didn't, Russia would keep pushing and pushing. So they made a list of ideas. Nice. Michael Daniel, Victoria Newland, and Celeste Wallander, three of the NSC's top Russia analysts, prepared a list of shit that they could do to hit Russia back hard. They wanted to hit Russia hard. These were the these were the hardliners in the Obama administration. They knew the only way to deal with Russia was to do this, to hit them back hard. If they didn't, Russia would keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So they put together this list of ideas. First of all, unleash the NSA to mount a series of cyber attacks to dismantle Guccifer 2.0 and DC Leaks websites that had all the DNC memos. Like, first of all, if you could do that, why didn't you fucking do yeah. that? Uh, second, bombard Russian news sites with a glut of automated traffic called a denial of service attack, and that would shut their sites down. 
Three, attack Russian intel agencies to disrupt their command and control modes. You could also target Putin himself by leaking classified intel, such as his daughter's secret Mm. bank accounts uh, in Latvia. Uh, Dump dirt on Russian websites about Putin's money. Uh, the girlfriends top uh, the girlfriends of top Russian officials. You could talk about the corruption in the United Russian Party, like all sorts of things. Or you could have NATO announce fake public cyber exercises against a mythical Eurasian country. They actually wanted to do this. They specifically wanted to have NATO announce a fake public cyber exercise against a fake Eurasian country to demonstrate Western nations could shut down Russia's entire civil infrastructure and cripple its economy. So they wanted to put out this dif- disinformatia. Like, like, hey, you know that country of Bob? We completely <laughs> fucked them over. Mm-hmm. And everyone would be like, oh shit, Bob's fucked over. And, <laughs> and they would totally believe it. Like, you couldn't just Google if that was a real country. Anyway, I thought that was that sounds weird. sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. Like it Google, is funny, yeah. Well, maybe they don't have the same Google we have in, Ru- in, in Russia. <laughs> the White House was not on board for any of this. Susan Rice told them, stand down. She even said, like, knock it off, you guys. Just knock it off. Um, and then they, they were, like, in disbelief. Why the hell were they told to stand down? This is immense insanity. And And Rice said they were concerned that if the options were to leak it would force obama to act and we didn't want to box the president in that was her thing was to protect the president some attorneys general protect their presidents (laughs) uh this was a critical moment and the nsc felt they blew it right quote the longer you wait it diminishes your effectiveness if you're in a street fight you have to hit back uh, but Obama believed the first order objective was to preserve and protect the integrity of the election. That was his number one priority. It almost seemed like we let the election be stolen so that we wouldn't upset Trump and have him blow the whole thing up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I get where his heart was at and stuff, but I mean... Where I, would we be now? Exactly. Yeah. The State Department and Treasury uh, whipped up the the huge... Right. <laughs> Sanctions uh, against Russia, or expulsion of diplomats. Mm-hmm. But Obama put everything on hold. Uh, he decided to try to reach out to the states again, but he would need uh, Republican backing. So he reached out to Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the book doesn't mention this, but we've had report. Oh, wait. You know what? It does mention this later. I'm not going to say it. Okay. It does talk about this later. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing Obama, uh, the Obama White House came up with was for Obama to privately warn Putin. Uh, because Basically, McConnell wasn't having it. So he's like, well, I guess what we can do is we can privately warn Putin and vow overwhelming retaliation for any further intervention. This upset the people who wanted to strike back hard, the NSC hawks. So Obama warned Putin at the G20 summit in September um, that if they tried this again, he'd pretty much slap sanctions on him. So mm-hmm. He warned him pretty sternly. Yeah. We'll go into that in a little detail in a minute. So mm-hmm. you guys will be right back. Hey, Muller Junkies. AG here. Starting on April 23rd, we're going to be reviewing A Higher Loyalty by James Comey. So order your copy and then join the Muller She Wrote book club by subscribing at any level. For as little as $1, you can join us for our weekly full-length episodes on the book by our beacon of sexy justice, our dearest homie, James Comey. You'll also be invited to our closed Facebook discussion group and our pimped-out newsletter will end up in your mailbox every week, and that includes my personal show notes and my research. So head over to MullerSheWrote.com and sign up now. It's totally worth it, and thanks for supporting women in podcasting. 
All right. Thank you, guys. We are back. We are now going to start in with chapter 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, this is the fourth of these that yeah. we've done. And I, I love this so much. This book so is good. so good. Mm-hmm. This is a heavy ep- This is a heavy chapter, specifically. This is like a Pinot Noir chapter. So <laughs> settle down, settle in. Um, and we're going to go through it. First of all, uh, this starts out with Manafort making a comment about a terrorist attack on Turkey mm-hmm. in a Jake Tapper interview. Uh, Clint Watts, a former FBI analyst, took note of this weird comment that he made. And it turns out it was complete desinformatia. <laughs> and I don't know if Manafort saw it on like Russian state television and just re-reported it thinking it was true or if he knew it was desinformatia. And and Watts was among a handful of private researchers looking into stuff coming out of Russia on Twitter. So that was just really weird. Mm-hmm. Another issue is when a petition appeared on the White House website demanding Alaska be returned to Russia. Huh. That was retweeted several times and pushed on Facebook by Russian bots. And, and Watts, Watts found out that most of these were Twitter bots with Russian origins. And the pattern matched the Internet Research Agency. That's a Kremlin troll farm uh, in St. Petersburg. So Manafort's comments were, comments were a sign that Russian active measures were creeping into the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Manafort brought this weird fucking... Russian troll farm desinformatia on to Jake Tapper's program? That's scary. Mm-hmm. So then the story from uh, a story from the New York Times dropped on Manafort that he had taken $12.7 million from Yanukovych in undisclosed cash. Oops. <laughs> uh, Manafort denied it, denied, denied, but Trump fired him anyway. And Bannon was now the new CEO of the campaign. The FBI investigation was just getting underway. And in August, a meeting was held in McCabe's office. Mm-hmm. My husband, <laughs> deputy director of the FBI. Uh, Strzok uh, was there. He was the head of the counterintelligence division. He had been in charge of the Hillary Clinton email investigation. Mm-hmm. Strzok was not a partisan. He helped Comey draft the statement calling Clinton's handling of the email server extremely careless. So rude. (laughs) (laughs) But he also hated Trump. Uh, He was texting a woman he was having an affair with in the FBI. Her name was Lisa Page. And and he described Trump as an utter idiot, a a menace, (laughs) and a douche. Uh, In one exchange, he said, God, Trump is a loathsome human. It's true, though. Um, I know, it is true. I wish you got true, credit for that. I'd be mad. <laughs> nice, that's nice. Uh, Paige, uh, his his lady, thought that Hillary would win, but Strzok saw that the investigation was an insurance policy. Mm. He's like, I don't know, it could be weird. <laughs> so two days later, Trump would have his first IC briefing from the you know intelligence community briefing. Mm-hmm. So Trump had already complained about not trusting the intelligence community. So the meeting was tense to begin with. The intelligence community was concerned about briefing Trump because he's a dipshit, basically. <laughs> they Like, what do we tell this guy about all of our global secrets? Uh, they told him about Russia and Guccifer, and Putin was involved with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Clinton was given a similar brief. Uh, and this immediately made Trump distrust the briefers. Mm-hmm. A few days later, another cyber strike occurred, this time on the DCCC. That's the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Okay. Uh, many internal memos were dumped. They Like, just internal emails, memos. Uh, Kelly Ward, the executive director of the DCCC, was pissed that the DNC didn't tell her about the threat. Mm. Um, and she hired CrowdStrike. Turns out the hack was from Fancy Bear. <laughs> 
Uh, she met with Jim Trainer, the FBI cyber chief, cyber chief, but she felt like Jim just read her the wiki page on what Fancy Bear was. <laughs> 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 wiki Fancy Bear. <laughs> Uh, then uh, Guccifer leaked DCC logins and addresses and phone numbers, like home phone numbers and home addresses of all the Dem members of the House. Awful. And they got a ton of threatening calls and letters. That's Jeez. creepy. Then this was just the beginning, apparently, because in the following weeks, Guccifer released a series of DCC strategy files, financial documents, voter data. Um, these were very damaging documents that included candid, ass- candid assessments of, of Democratic candidates. So if you can imagine if you're assessing candidates running for your party and you're just saying whatever you think. Do you remember when we when we talked about this, when I said to you, uh, ladies, please, whatever you do, email like everyone's watching? Yeah. They didn't do it. Exactly. There were blunt memos calling candidates poor fundraisers or saying candidates were embarrassing or gross. They said, oh, I saw that guy pick earwax and eat it. Um, on Whoa. TV, like just really, don't put it in an email. Pick yeah. up the pick up the phone. That's so mean. That's going to be the that's such mean thing. Well, that's going to be the downfall of this generation. Oh yeah, is they're not going to pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. You got to pick up the phone. There's going to be proof everywhere. There's no such thing as privacy on the Unless internet. your phone is tapped, pick up the phone. Yeah, say whatever Go the fuck school. you want and mm-hmm. deny it. There or it's uh, what do you call it? Telegraphing or like? But if you put it in, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's that's. That's recorded. Oh, snap. I didn't know. <laughs> but if you put it in an email, there's a trail. Just don't. Wow. Yeah, paper trail. Mm-hmm. So Obama still did nothing about any of this. And the media wasn't covering it. So Ward tried to get help from the GOP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not only did they ignore her, they used hacked email materials in key races against the Dems. Damn. Uh, not... Uh, not in the book, but this is not in the book. But right. Pelosi would pen a letter to Paul Ryan insisting they stop lest he be complicit in the Russian interference. And, and he ignored her. Uh, that, that didn't show up in the book. Maybe it'll show up later. Interesting. Uh, with Manafort out of the picture, because uh, he was fired, mm-hmm. the, the Democrats started focusing on Stone. Mm-hmm. Roger Stone. A 64-year-old self-proclaimed practitioner of the dark arts of politics. <laughs> Thanks, Snape. <laughs> Uh, he has a tattoo of Nixon on his back. I'm sure you've all seen today. it. It's yeah. so gross. Uh, he's a mudslinger. Uh, he's, his, his philosophy is admit nothing, deny everything, launch a counterattack. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a conspiracy theory trafficker, self-proclaimed. Mm-hmm. Um, 40-year friend of Trump. Uh, one of the first hires of the Trump campaign. Trump fired Stone in August of 2015, though Stone insists he quit. <laughs> Again, admit nothing, deny everything, launch right. a counterattack. Yeah, he gave away his hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here's my strategy. Oh, shit, now you know my strategy. Uh, but he still remained a Trump loyalist. At the RNC, he hung out with Alex Jones and hosted a rally calling Hillary a short, tempered foul-mouthed bipolar mentally unbalanced criminal oh my god i just want to punch them in the yeah. face for all of those but words you have a no. nixon tattoo on your back it's just yeah, so many misogynistic their there. fucking candidate too yeah that too it's like oh she's a nasty woman she's ill-tempered but foul-mouthed bipolar him. mentally yeah, well, unbalanced criminal that's i'm it. gonna go off my meds and do some shit but <laughs> i'm gonna do an instagram post while i put a giant fucking cigar in my mouth and say <laughs> that my friend's a coke exactly yeah your mentor apparently your totes normal for six Four mm-hmm. years it's old. Ridiculous. Nixon tattoo. Yeah. In early August, um, the DNC heard Stone was tied to WikiLeaks Russia operation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and on August 8th, he gave a speech claiming Clinton's emails would emerge. 
When asked what Assange was going to do for an October surprise, Stone said, quote, I actually have communicated with Assange. Hmm. I believe the next tranche of his documents pertain to the Clinton Foundation, but there's no telling. <laughs> a few days before his speech, he wrote a piece for Breitbart uh, claiming Guccifer was a lone hacker and the Russians weren't responsible for the hack. Oh, that sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. Could that be a narrative that everyone is pushing, including Trump? Sounds like disinformatia. <laughs> uh, he hailed Guccifer as a hero. Uh, Stone and Guccifer traded private messages on Twitter where Stone asked Guccifer to promote a story for him that he wrote, and Guccifer called him a great man and said, please tell me if I can help you anyhow. It would be a great pleasure to me. Yeah, you're totally not Russian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Stone championed WikiLeaks and kept suggesting he knew what was coming next. Um, all of his tweets are right on the money. Stupid. In an interview, he just can't shut up. Yeah, seriously. In an interview with the far right wing site, uh, Stone said he had direct contact with Assange and he learned that Wiki had a set of 30,000 personal emails uh, that Clinton had destroyed. Gosh, the number 30,000 sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. It sounds familiar. <laughs> hmm. In another interview with Dana Loesch, you guys remember her? Yeah. The NRA mm -hmm. twat. She's a yeah. piece of Sorry. So he interviewed, he was in an interview with Dana Loesch and said he believed Assange had all the emails that Huma Abedin and Cheryl Mills had destroyed. Those are two of Hillary Clinton's mm -hmm. um, helpers. Huma Abedin was the wife of Anthony Weiner? Correct. Was. Poor lady. Embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. She's been through a lot. Yeah. Stone tweeted on August 21st, quote, soon it will be Podesta's time in the barrel. That was before the Podesta emails were released, but after they were hacked, obviously. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Stone would claim he never communicated with Assange directly, and everything he knew he'd gleaned from Assange's tweets, uh, which he confirmed through a go-between named Randy Credeco. Hmm. That's a New York radio guy, a comedian, a New York comedian, a Bernie supporter. Interesting. Why do we have to drag comedians into this? <laughs> uh, the problem with Stone's story is that according to Credeco, uh, he had never spoken to Assange until the wiki founder uh, was a guest on his show on August 25th, 17 days after the first time Stone proclaimed to have communicated with Assange. Uh, Credeco, again, like I said, he's a left-wing guy, Bernie supporter, said he never told Stone anything about Assange or a any Assange plan to release Hillary emails because he never knew anything about it. Um, and he said, quote, he's got me at the fall. Uh, he he's got me as the fall guy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> mm -hmm. Unquote. Comedian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. And now on to chapter 16. Quote, does it even matter who hacked this data? And this is just the whole... It's the content, not the hacking yeah. argument, which which is actually both sides have used. So, Jordan, I think you're going to go over this one? Yeah. All right, let's hit it. So, the chapter opens up back at the G20 summit in Germany where Obama, which is just like an economic, global, globalized economy, economic group of... Uh, it's a conference, basically. <laughs> it's summit. They yeah. already call it what it is. And this uh, this chapter opens with Obama and Putin having a closed-door meeting where their aides aren't even allowed. It's just a private meeting. It's just them and their translators. So they talk for an hour and a half. And Obama briefed after this conversation happens. Obama briefs his aides and says that uh, he delivers... The message that he crafted says it, it, basically what the message is. We know what you're doing. If you don't cut it out, 
we're going to have to impose onerous and unprecedented penalties on you. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, if you fuck us over this election, we're going to have to crash your economy. I love that translation. Yeah. <laughs> that's that was the, that was my favorite part. Yeah, you fuck with us over this election, we will crash your economy. <laughs> and and you've seen that. All, everyone's always seen that photo where like this is how you look at Putin, and it's Obama like looking down at that little fucking guy, and exactly. he's like mm-hmm. giving yeah. him the scowling at him, good stink guy. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that was after that meeting. I yeah. think that was from the G20 summit. Yeah. Yeah, that's reported from their the aides yeah. that they walked out just totally looking. Both of them looked remorse and just stone face, kind of just like, well, that was yes. unproductive. They looked, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Putin denies everything in yeah. this meeting. Um, in an earlier interview prior to the summit, he echoed Assange and said, "This doesn't even matter." who hacked the data sentiment isn't it what is about isn't it about what was in the data mm-hmm. and yeah, it's the content that matters it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. who cares who hacked it you mm-hmm. know like who cares who looked in your text messages baby you were fucking somebody <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly um so publicly obama speaks in generalities about it trying to not I don't think really show his full hand to the American people, which some people kind of criticized him for towards the end of his presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously Podesta and other Hillary Clinton aides were disappointed with the outcome of that talk. They wanted Obama to publicly decry the attack so that the American people would take notice. And he didn't do that. But Comey wanted to speak out. So Comey drafts an op-ed. This is really interesting. I didn't know this until I read this book. I didn't know this either. Yeah. So Comey, you guys all ready for some fucked up shit? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty yeah. fucked up. Guess what? My homie did. Mm-hmm. So Comey drafts an op-ed for the New York Times that was going to run the week after the G20 summit, and it was to spell out all of Russia's meddling and a warning of the national security threat that that meddling poses, and just to reiterate to the American people that this is something that should be taken really seriously. It's a pressing concern, and it needs to be on the forefront of not only our legislators' minds, but just the U.S. in general. For sure. Uh, But the weekend that it was going to get released, turns out, was 9-11. It was supposed to be uh, released on a Sunday, which was going to be 9-11. And the White House is like, that's probably a bad idea. (laughs) You know, you don't want people to be like, oh, how insensitive of the White House putting out this very patriotic document on (laughs) 9-11. But I understand. I I get it. It's supposed to be a day of mourning for all of the people that lost their lives and all the people that lost their lives subsequently after that. So they don't wind up releasing it. And then it winds up never running. Right. That that hold off for 9-11 gives them enough time to think about it. And they're like, that's second thought. Let's Uh not put it out at all. The White House decides to not run it at all. I want to read it. Me too. It's it's never been published. Yep. Maybe it's in a higher loyalty. Oh, that'd be really cool. We'll find out. I wonder. I wonder if the New York Times would allow that. Uh, So during this whole thing, Trump, of course, is still dismissing the notion that this is the case and saying that Democrats are making it all up because he would rather revel in his own quote unquote victory. Uh, So when they get back from G20, Obama called the four congressional leaders to the Oval Office. And these four are McConnell, Ryan, Harry Reid, who I love. (laughs) And I know I went to school with his granddaughter. (gasps) The Reeds and I, his dad, Rory Reed, was a friend of my dad's. Oh. They practice law together. Roy Reed. Rory Reed. Rory Reed. Yeah, they're <laughs> a great family. Harry Reed's a great guy. 
uh, McConnell, Ryan, Harry Reid, and Nancy Pelosi. They had been trying for a couple weeks, but McConnell and Ryan always had a scheduling conflict, so they could never attend the meeting. They can't make it to the Oval Office? Right, like, I'm sorry. Uh, You work for the government, and the president asks you to come to the White House, and you're like, "Mm, I got other things. (laughs) You know, mm, mm, I clearly don't know how to prioritize life. Yeah, sorry. I got an appointment with a tuna sandwich in the White House cafeteria. (laughs) It really (laughs) seems to me that if the president calls you to the Oval Office, like, that is the one you go to mm-hmm. like, yeah you're like mm, hey boss which one of these meetings should i go to should i go to the uh conference on how to tie my shoes or the butthole cleaning uh, <laughs> butthole convention cleaning. or should i go to the oval office hmm, I wonder. president meeting yeah, yeah. yeah and the fact that they didn't show up just like you're <sighs> saying right now raised suspicion that there might be something else going on within the gop you think right. yeah um, so Obama said that the meeting was to brief them on the G20 subject, but uh, sorry, summit, but it was really to tell them about Russia and that trickery. So we had to lie to him to finally get him together. No, no, no. It's about the G20. I want to tell you about the G20. Yeah. Come and talk to me. I mean, it's yeah. like, technically it's kind of about the G20 in the sense that it's a conversation he had there. Putin all was connected. at the G20 <laughs> yeah. and this has to do with Putin. Yeah, yeah exactly. Ergo, ipso facto. <laughs> Squid pro crew. <laughs> um, but the meeting was really to tell them about Russia and that they had launched an operation to derail the election, harm Clinton, and possibly help Trump. And the kicker, that the whole operation was likely directed by Putin. No one was supposed to bring staffers to the meeting. He told them he wanted everyone to come together and then put out a joint statement on this, on on what was going on, the, the information that was being discovered that Russia did this and was currently doing this yeah and i just want to say that's pretty rare to not bring your staffers to a meeting um i've been to a lot of these to not have your staffers there that's boo yeah Yeah. don't want anything getting leaked yeah when someone's like come alone Mm -hmm. shit yeah 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 and the idea basically of them coming together and issuing a joint statement that was going to give an accurate depiction to the American people of what was happening in our electoral system was undermined by essentially by the doomed political environment. That's the most bitter we've seen in decades. Um, The main roadblock though, if we can blame it on one person was definitely Mitch McConnell. He told the president that he thought he was trying to politicize the matter. He thought Obama was trying to politicize the matter and that he was not going to help him because of that. Mm. He didn't want to hurt the GOP's chances in any of the elections in 2016. Um, he, he didn't want uh, his position to be threatened as Speaker of the House, basically. So when you think of it from a selfish point of view, it makes sense, I guess. Not okay, Mitch Not McConnell. okay, but logical. Not okay. Um, even Paul Ryan tried to persuade McConnell, but McConnell was not going to budge. So the White House was caught in a squeeze. It had been two months since the intelligence community had reached the conclusion that Russia was threatening the election, but the White House had said nothing so far. Feinstein and Schiff, who we are, all, uh, we're all very aware of them now. They're mm-hmm. on our sexy justice calendar. Oh, yeah. They are respectively the leaders of the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee and the House Intelligence Committee, and they were pissed. 
minority leaders yes minority leaders yeah sorry very important detail especially in this climate um so they're very yeah if they were the majority wouldn't that be lovely then Mm -hmm. we could just kick mcconnell to the side november (laughs) shift's gonna be in charge of the house intel committee oh yeah that would be so beautiful lovely singing uh (laughs) yes so feinstein and schiff are pissed they kept pressing the white house and were prepared to issue their own statement like fuck this shit the people need to know this is our job we're gonna have to tell them ourselves Mm -hmm. uh white house can i be the white house in this scenario (laughs) no 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 i am not happy with that if you go out on your own it would reinforce the view that the whole thing was partisan Mm -hmm. (laughs) thank you thank you it's a very good impression of the white house House. yep yeah yeah. exactly and uh mcdonough he's a chief of staff he was assigned the task of keeping feinstein and schiff quiet essentially (laughs) you put him in a closet like time up (laughs) yeah (laughs) shush yeah Yeah, exactly then he took it a little too literally (laughs) um so he asked feinstein and schiff to just lay off the subject they said that it was going to play into Trump's narrative that the election was rigged, which would undermine the American people's belief in the legitimacy of our democracy, which is so ironic that that was one of their reasons for that. Yeah. It would impede their effort to work At with... somebody cared about it. Yeah. It would impede their effort to work with state and local election officials, especially in red states. Mm-hmm. So they'd say, who the fuck are you guys? This is all just a scheme. Or at least this is what McDonough is saying is going to happen. Exactly. Uh, that the people in the red states wouldn't even believe them if they tried to help them guard themselves against hacking. Which seems like a bipartisan issue, but I guess it's not. No, we're too far past that now. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, basically, they're saying, just please wait so we can sort out this shit with McConnell and we can all come together on some sort of unified front. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> well, they waited. They waited for a couple days. Uh-huh. They waited Schiff for Feinstein. Days. They waited. They were like, all right, we'll wait. Mm-hmm. And then they get tired of waiting. <laughs> yeah. And on September 22nd, they released four, uh, they released a powerful statement it was four paragraphs long and it said quote based on the briefings we have received we have concluded that the russian intelligence agencies are making a serious and concerted effort to influence the u.s election intended to sow doubt about the security of our election and may well be intended to influence the outcomes of the election we believe that orders for the russian intelligence agencies to conduct such actions could only come from very senior levels of the Russian government, a.k.a. Putin. It's kind of a snoozer of a memo, really. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They vetted their statement with the IC, the intelligence community, who had no objections to it. This was at the time when, again, it was agreed upon by fucking every... Every intelligence department and their dog. Yeah. It's uh, everybody's... Intelligent dogs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The statement was a dud, though, and it got little to no media, mainstream media coverage. Mm -hmm. Who wrote it? Was it... I mean, I know it was a Feinstein Schiff memo, but who wrote it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who actually wrote it. Sounds like Feinstein. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Finally... (laughs) Snap out of it, old girl. (laughs) Gotta be exciting, fresh, and new. Yeah. You have to grab the attention of the American public and the media, and you have to be like, look, Russia's interfering... Russia's like literally interfering with our election. Like we cannot even right now. <laughs> OMG, I can't even. Russia hashtag. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, there's like a Snapchat filter that's like totally colluded. Right? <laughs> yeah, you can like you can make yourself have like the big Russian like USSR sickle oh, and and it. turns your whole face <laughs> yeah. into that Russian font yes. on the like on the front of the book and just like just evil behind bars. propaganda. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> 
yeah, come on, spice it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no uh, one listened, though. It, t- it no. totally died. Everyone's like, eh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Womp, womp. Yep. And so finally, the four leaders of Congress, McConnell, Ryan, um, Reed, and Pelosi, they uh, issue a statement, but it was super weak. It states that, quote, states face the challenge of possible cyber attacks to disrupt the administration of our elections. It doesn't mention Russia, and it has zero sense of urgency. Yeah, and that statement's pretty much true for every election that we have. Yeah. Hey, by the way, people could hack into your shit. Yeah. Have a nice day. Which, to be fair, Obama released a statement that was basically that, which is, yeah, this is happening, and it is kind of what happens, and that was why he got criticized well, a lot, he was too. So afraid of, he was so afraid of, of, the ma- of making it look like he was putting yeah. his thumb on the scales. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. Toward, I, he, he was more afraid of looking like he was influencing the election than Trump was of allowing Putin to influence, yeah. inter, exactly. inter, interfluence, yeah. <laughs> influence the election. It's, it's disgusting yeah. to me um, how careful and... Um, in, in what reverence the Obama administration hel- holds our elections and, and to, you know, how important it is to not interfere mm-hmm. and how cavalier uh, Trump is in allowing not only uh, Americans, but foreigners. He's like shredding the rule of law. It's just insane. Well, he, he just has no reverence for the, I don't know, the constitution for the exactly the institution of the united states of america the the sacredness of our elections because he's always been above it like and how he's always important, gotten away how with important it. that is mm-hmm. that he would just allow uh, an ad an adversarial world leader to walk in and influence while obama is tearing his hair out yeah trying to figure out well, what he can and can't say so he doesn't look like he's influencing real anything. quick if i may i don't want to digress too much but i love that point ag but just so i can say as far as the Constitution goes, like when it was created, the, you know, all men are created equally. That was just white, straight, you know, men who own property. And and just seeing the difference. I know it's not all a race issue, but it's just so interesting you bring up the Constitution because to Trump, that's like an old, outdated, like useless. He doesn't care about the Constitution. He's already had so many more rights since he was born. Like, you know, he, he just has so much privilege that to him, that basic foundation means nothing. And to Obama, it's everything because he had to fight or his ancestors at least had to fight just to even get there. Yeah, it's interesting that Obama, a black man, is a constitutionalist, even though it discluded mm-hmm. him. Exactly. And Trump shits on it. Yeah. Even though it was all about him. Yeah, Trump is very disconnected. His privilege just, just goes right over his head. Well, you know? fortunately, our uh, our founding fathers had the foresight to understand that things will change and can change. Exactly. And now it includes everyone. Mm-hmm. And again, to 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 be so disrespectful of our country to allow a foreign adversary and to influence our elections and, and call our vote fraudulent and to say that illegal immigrants are the reason that Hillary won the popular vote and, and to call voter fraud out. Uh, and, and while, and I'm just, I just picture Obama toiling. I, this is why he has gray hair now mm-hmm. uh, toiling and, and just going insane over trying to figure out how to deal with the fact that he he wants to tell everyone that Russia is interfering in our elections, but he's so his hands are so tied. Well, he's so careful and so respectful mm-hmm. of 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 the document that discluded him from the beginning. Exactly, that he still wants to make sure that it's respected, and that is very good point. Incredible. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. Um, so basically. After they release that, it turns in, it's a nun burger, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Nothing happens. Yeah. Uh, also, that September, a guy named Peter Smith called Matt Tate. 
uh, that cybersecurity expert that helped expose Goose for 2.0 mm-hmm. as, as Russian. Yeah, he's the one who saw that mm-hmm. the they used a Russian language option yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and found the codes and stuff. Uh-huh. Good work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Tate. Yeah. And Smith was on a quest to find the Clinton emails and asked Tate to help him determine if a bunch of emails he got from a guy on the dark web were authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tate was suspicious because he wouldn't say who his dark web contact was, and he got the impression that Smith was working for the Trump campaign because he said he was in touch with Flynn and Flynn's son and other top Trump aides. Hmm. Smith accidentally sends a memo to Tate saying that he was planning to set up a Delaware LLC called KLS Research to conduct OPA research for Trump, but in a way, quote, to avoid campaign reporting. (laughs) The memo also noted that several top Trump aides were involved in the operation, including Bannon, Kellyanne Conway, Flynn, Clovis, and Lisa Nelson. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tate's name was on there, too, though he'd never agreed to be part of it. Their conservation makes you wonder how truthful he was being about exactly. that. Like, yeah, yeah. No, all these people are totally with me, and I'm just creating a business so that uh, you know it doesn't have to be reported to campaigns. And mm-hmm. Trump, Trump will hire me, and I'll be a millionaire. Nothing yeah. to see here. Yeah, yeah. He had it all laid out. His plan of success. <laughs> this just sounds like an insane person. For sure. Oh yeah. Uh, their conversations petered out, and Tate was never clear whether or not Smith had any contact with Trump insiders. Bannon and Conway would say later that they didn't even know who he was. <laughs> This is actually one time where I think I might believe Bannon and Conway. (laughs) Like, this guy sounds They're like, this guy's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, total liars, yeah. Um, Smith later tells the Wall Street Journal that he had found five groups of hackers that claim to have the Clinton emails and suggested that they take them to WikiLeaks. Hmm. Interestingly, the Wall Street Journal came across a piece of intelligence that the IC had collected information indicating the Russian hackers were indeed discussing how to find Clinton's emails and how to get them to Flynn through a cutout, through a backdoor channel. Mm-hmm. It was never determined if Smith was that backdoor channel, though. And now we have Schmitz this week coming out being trying to look for these emails, too. <laughs> it's it's super interesting. Yeah. And then in a really sad wrap up of all of it in May 2017, Smith committed suicide by asphyxiating himself in a hotel room in Minnesota and left a note behind that read, no foul play whatsoever. I don't mean to joke, but could it have been autoerotic asphyxiation? I was I, that's the that. first thing I thought yeah. of, but then if he left the note, then no. Yeah, but Why the not? note said no foul play whatsoever. Sometimes they like to go uh, out, because yeah. I've heard similar things. It's just things a big, really good That could joke. be a receipt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a pleasurable way to go out, right? Like, here's a, here's a scenario, uh, and I'm a veteran, I have PTS, I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish suicide at all, mm-hmm. but, okay, so here's a scenario. I'm a dude, I'm a weird dude, I'm a Republican dude, <laughs> I'm an 84-year-old dude. Yes. And I invite a lady over who I pay hmm. to come over. Yeah. And I say, choke me while we get it on. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, and oh, but I need you to leave me a receipt, oh. okay, because uh, I'm going to write you a check, um, but I'm going to put in the memo, no foul play whatsoever, Whoa. wink, wink. Oh, my ha, gosh. Ha, ha. Can you imagine? Uh, as a you know like a, yeah, a this isn't anything bad that's mm-hmm. happening yeah it's just room service mm-hmm. uh and then he's found uh in excess style you know yeah hutchins style i wonder i imagine 
something that's probably not it he probably killed himself yeah i was gonna say i imagine something would have come out he actually by tr- this point and he, since he was already mentally unstable yeah mm-hmm. he was and he truly he actually had failing health like Aww. it was like he was he was uh, his health was diminishing and yeah if my health was failing i wouldn't mind going out like that yeah. <laughs> well, that bad. i'd probably ask for an injection of something there especially heroin. Money. might as well just go for yeah. it yeah <laughs> but um, some kevorkian shit yeah but yeah that feels we good. had to remove him from our fantasy indictment league because because of that um, yeah he he committed suicide i didn't know that that's tragic yeah um it doesn't matter to me what party you're from who Same. you're affiliated it's just with a terrible thing yeah, yeah. Um, mental illness is serious uh, needs to be addressed in this country mm-hmm. yeah uh, and i hope uh, that it does yeah and a lot of these people i don't think you know that commit these high crimes and stuff are absolutely mentally ill they right. like a lot of them could be diagnosed as sociopaths psychopaths yeah the spectrum is very broad you're absolutely right yeah, yeah. and if these people got help when they were younger too you mm-hmm. know you wonder you wonder but also i'm not apologizing for them at all no no, no. it's their behavior right. and they need to own it but, but they also but we also yeah. don't need to revel in one of them killing themselves mm-hmm. no and i won't do that not oh totally all. no uh, i don't think you are yeah that's no we aren't going to do that here no. on, on this show not yeah all. Um, she wrote it's mm-hmm. still it's very tragic mm-hmm. uh, but being an asshole is an asshole yeah um, i have pts i'm 80 percent moderate to severe mm-hmm. uh, pts um and i don't beat anybody up or kill right. people or steal mm-hmm. money or yeah. try to allow russia to interfere in elections mm-hmm. or You're absolutely right look for false emails or punch people in the face um i choose to take Be functional my and, and, yeah well you can't choose to be functional right. Right. but I, I it's it's a hard question like there's a lot of schizophrenic people out there there's a lot of multiple personality um, disorder people out there. there's a lot of PTS people out there if you beat your wife and stab your children mm-hmm. is it because you have PTS or because you're is it because you're an asshole with PTS I don't know the yeah. answer exactly it's case by case um, but I like the point you're making there is a, a point as an adult where you can choose to get help I think yeah, yeah. but this you and know. our society rewards that kind of sickness though the right. psychopathy and sociopathy and Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, they rewarded in a lot of like criminal ways. You're totally right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our society I mean. rewards stupid people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, they're yeah. winning being how they are, and no one's going to ever diagnose that as a legitimate mental handicap because they're winning. No, but they'll yeah. call transgender a, a mental handicap. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, not that. Yeah. Anyway, get a long way sorry, to go. Yeah. Sorry for our little diatribe at the end there. Yeah. Um, I just I I do think it's tragic that he killed himself. I I I we do have to take him off our fantasy indictment team. Mm-hmm. Um. We do make jokes about stuff like this because we're comedians and, and that's how we cope. Right. We're all dark and depressed. <laughs> if we don't laugh, mm-hmm. we'll cry. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope uh, that you guys enjoyed this book report. And I swear to God, the last installment's going to be a little more upbeat. Yes. Actually, probably not. <laughs> Positive it's, note. Um, we'll try. It's still the Russia collusion book, so I'm uh-huh. not quite sure. But uh, I've had a really good time going over these chapters. You guys, thank you so much for being here. I'm AG. I'm Jaleesa Johnson. I'm Jordan Coburn. This is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and mixing by Jaleesa Johnson. Market consulting by Amanda Reeder at Unicorn Creative. Our digital media director and subscriber manager is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG with support from Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our web design and creative is by Joelle Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is MullerSheWrote.com.
Season four of How We Win is here. For the past four years, we've been making history in critical elections all over the country. And last year, we made history again by expanding our majority in the Senate, beating election-denying Republicans in crucial state house races, and fighting back a non-existent red wave. But the MAGA Republicans who plotted and pardoned the attempted overthrow of our government now control the House, thanks to gerrymandered maps and repressive anti-voter laws. And the chaotic spectacle we've already seen shows us just how far they will go to seize power, dismantle our government, and take away our freedoms. So the official podcast of The Persistence is back with season four. There's so much more important work ahead of us to fight for equity, justice, and our very democracy itself. We'll take you behind the lines and inside the rooms where it happens with strategy and inspiration from progressive changemakers all over the country. And we'll dig deep into the weekly news that matters most and what you can do about it with messaging and communications expert, co-founder of Way to Win, and our new co-host, Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. So join Steve and I every Wednesday for your weekly dose of inspiration, action, and hope. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. And And this this is is How We Win. Win. SW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer. I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. 
Subscribe now.